0: today we have drawn a picture here of two of the aspects of God's nature. On the left we see, what do you think that is on the left? Ten Commandments, excellent. And on the right we see Christ shedding his blood and the stream of blood coming down from the crown of thorns hanging on the cross and his blood covers the sins of the whole world. So these are the two natures, uh, the two aspects of God's nature, and I'd like to talk to you about those today for a little bit. The law of God and the mercy of God. Because there are aspects that we see and we encounter as we look through the Bible. This week uh, past, we have, uh, many of us, caught news clips or watched with some uh, interest in how uh, the pontiff, Pope, Nicholas has come to be with us during, or Pope Francis, which is, i am lost track of his name here. My name's Larry, by the way. Anyway, uh, I think, that's right. Uh, but don't call me Pope, yeah, that was, <laughs> just don't call me late for supper, that's the main thing. Uh, but yeah, he has really emphasized the importance of God's mercy in his messages and in the times that I've been able to listen to his uh, remarks. And he has stirred some controversy as well because of his crossing lines of what is considered sometimes political lines to express his concern and interest in various topics and subjects that are usually discussed among the politicians and among government people. I I find that that is a, a rather brave thing to do, but also probably something that he needs to do to be true to his calling to be the to be the voice of Christ in the world. Uh, I would have to say that uh, his political views are probably affected by his growing up in Argentina, not a, uh, not a representative republic, not, certainly not a democracy in the sense that we understand it here. So he has his frame of reference as well as a human being. But he does present himself and his concerns, I think, as authentically as possible, and you do have to respect that. So I'm grateful for what he has done. Uh, He has come with his message of grace and mercy to the world and uh, here to the United States. And certainly it is a welcome uh, relief to hear the gospel of God's grace and mercy being proclaimed. So we're grateful. Now, one of the things that has been a subject of criticism for him has been that he visited with the Castro brothers in Castro. Now, we know that the Castro regime has been a godless regime for many years and has been the cause of the death of many, many people. The political opponents were just done away with and killed. So there's a lot of uh, question about, well, why should the pontiff go and visit with these people who have blood on their hands, this this is one of the problems. They don't seem to have repented. They haven't changed their government. They haven't, they're not taking a new lease on life. So how is it that you could possibly go and interact with people like this? And this is a source of criticism. I'm sure you've heard others, as you may have listened to the news. Uh, you know, for, for the most part, his, uh, his visit has been welcomed and received. Okay? I think that if Christ were in the world today, he might do some things that would be considered uh, controversial and uh, maybe politically incorrect, also. <laughs> so it doesn't really bother me that much that the the vicar of Christ, as he is known, is uh, is doing something like that as well. I went to seminary um, back a few years ago and uh, tried to learn a couple of things about the Bible and couple of things about what the gospel is some people have gone off to school and they went in with a lot of zeal and passion and enthusiasm and they come out with a little bit of a dampened spirit you know it's like the uh they went in as a fiery uh, one-lung Pentecostal and they come out as Dr. Iceberg you know <laughs> one of those kind of situations and how sometimes uh, you can uh, get so educated uh, so high-minded uh, that you're uh, no earthly good and, uh, but anyway, in my case, uh, it didn't seem to have quite that effect on me, but uh, I, l- I learned a couple things as I was going through seminary. And I particularly appreciated the way that the Lutherans express this uh, theology. Some of the German theologians from the 19th century were particularly influential in uh, my understanding of, of their understanding of what the gospel is. And I'm going to share a little bit of that with you here now. It's as though, uh, you ever heard the song, uh, you load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and what? Deeper in debt, yeah. One fist of iron and the other of steel, if the left one don't get you, then the right one will. And uh, my Lutheran theologian buddy said that God has two hands the hand of law and the hand of grace. That his Left hand is the hand of law. And this is where we get the Ten Commandments. This is where God gives his list of regulations, the rules, if you will, the do's and the don'ts, you know. These are the things that a lot of folks who aren't familiar with the New Testament understand about the Bible. They've heard of the Ten Commandments. They know that our legal system here in this country is based on the Judeo-Christian ethic And so, you know, they're familiar with that, and to them, it's like that's as much as they really know and understand Mm -hmm. about the nature of God. Well, there's a whole other story that we want to share with you, too, which is the story that the Pope is bringing to the world today, and uh, while I don't agree with everything that he says from a political point of view, just because I have my own political viewpoints, which you... Hardly ever hear about but uh, nonetheless uh, I would say I will grant uh, respect and appreciation for the sincere way in which he expresses himself and for the message of Christ and the grace of God that comes through in all the things that he does say so what is this left hand of God well it's like the police officer sitting out here one day when I pulled in in his squad car do you know what he was doing he was hiding behind those trees with his little radar gun oh yes now here he is on church property and he's running his radar gun now does god have anything to do with this operation (laughs) well the lutherans would tell you oh yes he does oh yes he does because He is acting on the whole notion of you get what you've got coming to you. You obey the law, you're rewarded. You violate the law, and you're penalized. And that's the way it works. Do good. Follow the directions. Don't mess up. Everything will be fine, okay? You mess up, it's carrots and sticks. You know, remember the donkey? Carrot in front. Stick on the behind, you know. So if I can't get you to move with the carrot, then I'll spank you on the bottom and maybe it'll move, maybe that'll make you move, right? One way or the other, we'll reward you if you do right, we'll whip you on the butt if you do wrong. And that's the way law works. And it's still true today. So when the police officer pulls you over for going too fast, after he has written you the ticket, he hands it to you and he tells you drive safely. Say to him, thank you for doing the work of the Lord. I appreciate it. And he'll go back to his squad car scratching his head, believe me. <laughs> Rarely do they hear any words of appreciation. And I have some friends who are in law enforcement, so I would encourage you, even though you're embarrassed at all, just to say thank you for your service. Thank you for doing the good that you do. We appreciate you folks out here. I know it's not an easy job. And... Uh, I always do tell people that when I get my speeding tickets, (laughs) which I haven't had one for a while. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Now, if I get a speeding ticket and you see my name in the paper, you remember what I have said this morning. But I hope I don't because I never speed, officer. Mm, Yes. Well, I just wasn't paying attention, right? But that's the way the law works. Now, does the law make any exception? Well, the only time I can tell you about any exception was when my beloved, beautiful, wonderful Susan, my wife, was pulled over by a police officer in this fair city, had his hat on, has his sunglasses on, gun on the hip, flashing lights, here she sits. Can you believe Miss Susan's been pulled over? Oh, how could it be? How could he do such a thing? to such a sweet, innocent, good human being as her. This is just not right. So anyway, the officer walks up, he looks at her license. And (laughs) I don't know what he said to her, but she can tell you the story later. But basically he said, well, I'm not gonna give you a ticket today. And she said, really? She goes, he goes, really? I don't think it would be right to give my Sunday school teacher a ticket. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that is correct. The uh just retiring the chief of police here in the beautiful city of Bloomington was that kid in her Sunday school class a few years ago. So Okay, watch out for that. That's good information right there, people. That sounds like the voice of experience, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, oh, yes, we have heard all that before. (laughs) Oh, don't ever do that. No, just say thank you, officer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, yes, enjoy your rest of your day just like you always would. Well, there you go. But you know, when we get those speeding tickets, you know, we argue about it. But you know, we we're almost always guilty, right? You know, we just think, oh man, what about that other guy? He was going too fast also. So it's just uh, the way it works. So does God have anything to do with uh, the laws that we have in our books here in the in the country? Yes, He does. Uh, the The whole thing is based on the notion of if you do it right. You'll be rewarded. If you do it wrong, you'll be penalized. That's just the way it works, okay? Where did that come from? That came from the Ten Commandments, okay? And that's the basis for our judicial system in this country. Thanks be to God for that. But here's the problem. If the only thing we have going for us is our good behavior and our conformity, To the law and always doing the law well, we have a problem because everybody, in some way, form, or fashion, has violated these Ten Commandments. Okay? And so now, then, what all is left? What is left is we're all guilty. Okay? In other words, all subject to penalty, subject to reprimand and punishment of some kind. Now, if you look at uh, the Old Testament, you'll see shadows and glimpses of part of the nature of God that is merciful. But it isn't that frequent. As a matter of fact, to be perfectly honest with you, there are some things in the Old Testament where God says to people to do things in His name, and He instructs them to be completely without mercy. Show no mercy. Show no mercy. Uh, It reminds me, to be perfectly honest with you, of Adolf Hitler when he said to his troops, never show any mercy to anyone. Never show any mercy to anyone. So there's a problem here. There's a problem here in that Is God like that too? Is God like this merciless power in heaven that says to Joshua? In Joshua, show no mercy to the Amalekites. Show no mercy to the other ites. There were a lot of ites in those days. Don't show any mercy to these people. That would be no mercy to the men, no mercy to the women, no mercy to the children. They were all... To be destroyed, this just really bothers me. I'll be honest with you. I've always told you the truth. I've always tried to be honest with you about everything. This really troubles me to read this. And I don't even know for sure what to make of it to this day. And I've been reading this book for a long time. (laughs) I mean, a long time. So I have to deal with this and have to think about it honestly. And I have to be honest with you this morning as I talk to you about it there are some things about the nature of God that I don't understand, okay? Now, the thing that bothers me is what I don't understand. Uh, the thing, let me try that again. It's not the things that I don't understand that bothers me, it's what I do understand that bothers me. And I understand that he had gave them that instruction. I don't understand that. But I'm not God. Okay? So i have to leave that in reserve for now. Now, if that was all there was about the nature of God, I guess I would be in real deep trouble because God's nature of law and justice and power and penalty is so overwhelming that all I could do would be cringe and hide in fear and be ruining the day that I ever came into this world wishing never to have been born but there is another aspect of God's nature that is his other hand it is the the right hand of God the right hand of God you may remember a verse in the scripture that says Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father remember that verse that's kind of an obscure verse but you might have heard that before Jesus resurrected from the dead and seated at the right hand of god well what is this right hand of god this is like many of us your right hand is stronger than your left hand unless you're left-handed right (laughs) and in my case i am both right-handed and left-handed i'm so confused that's why i am confusing to you i'm sure but uh, i confuse myself at times but i eat right-handed i Drive nails right-handed, Steve. If you ever have me help you out down there, you'll watch my right-hand driving nails. And I bat right-handed, but I write left handed and I draw left-handed. So you see how screwed up I am. It's really confusing to me, mostly to me. But the right hand, I would say, even in my case, is stronger than my left hand. If I had to really grab something and hold tight to it and I only had one hand, I would use my right hand. God's grace... God's right hand is stronger than his left hand. Stronger than his left hand. In other words, we've, what we have coming to us, we have coming to us. Yes, but he has something else to say about that, and it is, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to pardon you. You're guilty, but I'm going to pardon you. And we look at this picture right here. We see Jesus hanging on the cross. His blood is being shed. And I've depicted it as though it's falling on the world. And here he is, suffering, dying. The law of God is still there. But look at this. What does this have to do with justice? What does this have to do with law? Nothing. It's completely unjust, it's the opposite of just. It is mercy. It is undeserved favor. His dying for us, undeserved. As we read in the scriptures this morning, and the apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul, he knew so very well that he didn't deserve to be a representative of Christ. He knew that so well. He was so unworthy of it. And Jesus tells a story about a, religious uh couple of religious fellows and a and a and a guy from Samaria have you heard this story before it was about the uh fellow that was beat up and left in the ditch and uh, some religious folks passed by it was one of the uh Jewish priests passed by I saw him there but just oh man don't want to be bothered I'm on my way to a prayer meeting I can't bother with that so uh yeah and then the next fellow came along and he was a Levi he was a part of the family of Israel that was particularly interested and concerned with spiritual matters, the Levites, you know. And then this, uh, well, I'm going to call him a half-breed, uh, a guy that was like part Jewish, part, some, part part something else, and they called them Samaritans. They lived in the area, not particularly, uh, it was kind of like prejudice against them. But it was this Samaritan that stopped and helped the man and while the religious people were busy going to their church meetings or their synagogues or whatever they were doing uh, the Samaritan man who's not supposed to know anything about anything about God or have any kind of special standing with God the Samaritan man stopped and picked the man up out of the ditch he put him on his donkey he took him into town he got him a room at the hotel he gave him some uh, oil and some things to mend his wounds he paid his keep his room and board and he told the innkeeper if he if you incur any further expenses when i come back through i want to i'll reimburse you for those so i will pay for those as well and here he is uh, answering a question that was asked to him by this religious authority who had asked jesus uh the question what must i do to receive eternal life and jesus said uh well, you tell me you're the expert. And the man said, the religious man said, well, you're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, well, that's good. But then he said trying to be cute, I guess, or justify the way he was living was, he asked the question, well, who is my neighbor? Who is is my neighbor? In other words, who do I have to love? (laughs) And so Jesus told that story about the two religious people and the Non-religious man that went and helped him, and then at the end of the story, Jesus said, "Okay, so let me ask you, Mister uh, Mister Religious Expert, uh, who was a neighbor to him?" And he said, "Well, the one that had mercy on him, the one that had mercy on him." Now, I want to say, my friends, it doesn't really make a big difference, a lot of difference. I, I'm going to put it this way: it doesn't make any difference. It makes no difference how religious you are. What matters is how merciful you are. It's how merciful you are. And this is the nature of God that the entire New Testament is about. It's about changing our perception that the nature of God is a loving, compassionate God. It is a, it is a nature that is kind and good toward us. It is a nature that says, though you've sinned, I have mercy, I have pardon, I will forgive you. Uh, It's the kind of thing that all of us so desperately need to to, to receive mercy and to have forgiveness. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, we have a tendency to be judgmental of each other rather than merciful to each other. We will tolerate a certain amount of dysfunction. We will tolerate a certain amount of slipping and sliding and having problems. But there comes a point when we're not going to tolerate it anymore and we become judgmental. And I'm just going to tell you that for me, having lived through this past year with the death of my son and that year and a half of his suffering, I found that... uh, People would come and say things to me like, uh, We're so sorry, you know, we heard about this. Uh, and there was a period of time when I was angry with God about this. And there's part of me that, even yet today, still can go there because of all the songs and all the verses that talk about God is able and God can do this and God can do that. And, you know, it's like sometimes it kind of falls flat on the ears of a father who watched his son suffer like that and finally die. And it broke my heart to see this. And what I've discovered is that all of you, all of you, have been loving and gracious and patient and kind to me. And I want to say thank you for this. You have shown me mercy. You've allowed me to be human. You've allowed me to be honest. You've allowed me to be myself and to tell you the truth about how I feel. But I will tell you this. I have told people, other people apart from you, how I feel and what I think and what I've gone through. And I have received condemnation from them because in their mind, I'm not worthy or ready to proclaim God's love and mercy to other people. Because you can't be angry with God You can't be angry with God. You can't be so discouraged and so defeated and then stand in front of people and bring a message. Well, as I remember, it's the brokenhearted people that Christ came for. And as a minister of the gospel, if I stood before you today proclaiming to you that I have everything in my life straightened out, I've... I have no problems I have no doubts I have no fears I have no struggles I have nothing that I'm ashamed of I would tell you a lie by telling you that what I'm going to tell you instead is this there is a merciful God there is a loving and gracious God who has extended his grace and his mercy to even me and has forgiven me for all of my resentments and rage and all of my profanities and all of my sins as I've struggled through this horrible experience. You know, he has seen this before. And I'm no better or different than anybody else. Any of you who who have lost a child or who've suffered the loss of a, a spouse or even your parents know these terrible, horrific waves of sorrow and emotion that come over you when this happens. There's some things about it I don't really understand, but I will say this. I don't know who I, hold, I don't know who I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. So why should I be discouraged? And why should I grieve beyond measure? When I know that God is still with us all. God is with us. He didn't promise that we'd have eternal life in these bodies. We're all going to be gone 100 years from today. None of us will be here. We'll all have gone on. So we can't be angry with God because our life ends or because the life of one of our loved ones ends. It's natural. It's natural. It's the way it is. So in a sense, I've had to get over it and realize look when your mother died larry collins you were angry with me yes oh yes you were very angry for three years you were very angry weren't you yes i was but what about her larry when her mother died did she carry that anger with her well i don't remember it well she got over it so you need to get over it and i'm using colloquial terms here but essentially when i realized that my loving mother who I was with when she passed, made a good life for us kids, even after her mother had passed away. We laughed, we had fun, we went places, we did things. It was wonderful, the life that she provided for us after she had already lost her mother. I'm telling you, folks, God's mercy is so wonderful. Here it is, the left hand of God, the right hand of God. And the Apostle Paul says... I am an example of God's mercy. That's what we read this morning, and I thank God for this. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some of these thoughts with you today. I hope and pray that all of us will grow in our understanding of God's love and mercy and grace. There are many stories that I could tell you, but I'm not going to. And some of you are saying, well, thank God for that. (laughs) So... Let's all stand together and let's have a prayer, okay? Brother Robert will come and sing a song for us here as we close. So, Lord, we are troubled people. We know we're troubled. And that's why you're here, to help us, because this isn't about us. We don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. Lord, you are so good to us. You give us hope. You give us purpose. You give us a place of service. We're grateful that we can then become agents of mercy for others. That when others are going through horrific situations, that we don't lose patience with them. When others are suffering, that we come alongside them and truly seek to be merciful and understanding of their situation. Teach us to become more like you, Lord. Teach us to encourage one another and to believe in one another and to hold each other up. That we might all rejoined together to be our best for you. For any sins that have been unforgiven in your life, turn to Christ now and say, Dear God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. And if you pray this prayer, I can announce to you in the name of Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.